Yes, nice to meet you also. So now we are live. Okay. And so we are with comrade uh, Vijay Prashad from India. Uh, and first, uh, firstly, I would like to apologize you for the name of my channel, because name of my channel, it is Rebirth of Communism. And it is the translation of my Polish channel, uh, which I started three years ago, Odrodzenie Komunizmu in Polish language. It is because in Poland, we have once a strong communist movement. We have, uh, we had socialist state. And in Poland, I want to re rebuild this. But I, I one time I, I heard your speech about the uh, crisis in the Western imperialist countries left left in these countries, and you say correctly that uh, this this crisis uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union it is only the the left in the the communist parties in the in the imperialist countries and in the, your country and other countries from the global south, the communist, communist movement is strong. And uh, when I say about this uh, rebuild, it is Europocentric. So, uh, so uh, not really. If I can, can, can ask you to take your apology back, because there's a difference between the experience in the USSR, former USSR, Yes. and the former uh, Eastern European people's democracies. Um, because here, after the former USSR in the Gorbachev era, after they essentially dismantled themselves, uh, let's be clear, the Soviet Union didn't collapse. Gorbachev and that clique surrendered uh, to the West. After that, there was a kind of enforced uh, destruction of, of the left in Eastern Europe. There was a forced, I mean, whether it's, it's you know, uh, Hungary, uh, which anyway was one of the most fascistic places before 1948, 40, 47, 48, or Poland. I mean, there was a forced destruction. It's not that, you know, you had some Euro-communist deviation that brought your collapse on. Um, this last week, we released a text with EFDDR, which is an institute in Berlin, which is starting to revise our look back at the history of the German Democratic Republic, um, which, in my opinion, has been very poorly understood in the post-GDR uh, period from 1989-91 onward. A very poor history of what happened during that period. And I very much hope, Mikhail, that someday we'll have a reassessment of the Polish experience as well. Um, you know, which doesn't look back at Poland's experience with the left and say, well, it was a big disaster um, because what came afterwards is, you know, well, I, I won't even characterize it because people know what it's like after the fall of, of the Eastern European communist state system. But I think it is different. It's not exactly Eurocentric. It's a different orientation. Yes, so uh, I can say that Poland today it is catastrophe. It is why I am not living in Poland. I am living in France uh, because uh, the living and working in in Warsaw, for example, it is my city. Uh, I earned uh, three uh, three thousand uh, three hundred and fifty euros. And if you want to rent a house in, in Warsaw, you have to pay minimum 400 euros. So you say that, uh, you see that it is impossible for the lift in Poland. Uh, but uh, 
Firstly, I would like to ask you, could you present your, your activity, your, your, your books which you published and also the communist movement in India, the class struggle in India? I heard about the, the biggest uh, strike in the world, the 250 million people are striking. And also, could you say something about the socialist state in the south of India? the Kerala state because I am very impressed that in the time of the coronavirus the uh, the state uh, in the south of India is uh, it is proud for the socialism that there is the the people are not dying from the COVID-19 like in other states in, in India um, that's a lot of things to cover uh, let, let me start by saying that you know I I've been uh, for a very long time associated with the communist movement in India I'm a member of the Communist Party of India Marxist which is the largest um, communist party we have about a million members uh, of maybe several uh, tens of million members of our mass organizations that is to say women's organization youth students agricultural workers, trade unions, uh, farmers, uh, and so on. Uh, a range of, 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 of mass organizations associated with our movement, with our party. Um, I uh, was started my career as a journalist. I got a teaching job after I finished a PhD by accident. And I've written a lot about a lot of things. And so I don't want to spend too much time going into that. Maybe I'd like to mention two things. Um, I've been very interested over the course of, of these last uh, couple of decades on the fate of the global south. And I've written two books about the history of the global south. One is called The Darker Nations, which is about the history of the Third World Project from 1928 to 1983. That's the middle of the debt crisis when many of the countries like Mexico and so on went into great great current account um, you know, uh, black holes. They couldn't sustain themselves. And the second book picked it up in uh, from the late 1970s and comes to the present, and that's called The Poorer Nations. It tells the history, in a sense, of BRICS, of the rise of the Bolivarian movement in South America, and so on. Um, this has been something I'm very interested in, this history of the global South in its own terms, you see not as a failure or, or as a mirror of something happening in the United States or the other. This is trying to tell its own story in its terms. The second thing I, I've spent a lot of time writing about is the history of the left in different parts of the world, including in India. I wrote a book called No Free Left, which is the futures of Indian communism. You see, it's not easy, Mikhail, to build the left uh, any part of the world uh, at any time. Because, you see, we are not utopians. We don't believe that you just have to have good ideas. You know, we believe that um, a society advances when the material conditions are sufficiently advanced. The productive forces have to be advanced. And as you advance productive forces, there comes a clash between um, the standards of, of production and then the standards of living of the vast mass, the workers. That clash leads to a kind of revolutionary break. The problem was in our societies, this is equal to the Russian empire, the czarist empire. Um, you know, that's why the first revolution doesn't take place in an advanced industrial country, it takes place in a peasant society. So from 
the revolution of October 1917 to Mongolia to Vietnam 1945, China 49, you know, Cuba 59. These are all poor countries that had socialist revolutions. And the interesting thing is, in a um, colonized situation where you're under colonialism, they were not advancing the productive forces. So Marx's prediction in that case didn't apply in the colonial world. The productive forces were not being advanced and therefore we were not going to be able to wait for somebody to advance the productive forces before you can have a revolution. That was the genius of Lenin. Lenin said, no, you the revolutionary must break through. You have the revolution and then the revolutionary constructs socialism by doing two things at the same time advancing the productive forces and socializing the means of production. That's made socialism so much more difficult. You know, it's one thing to have a revolution in Germany or Britain or in France or in the United States, much easier, much harder to have it in these poorer peasant societies. And our actual experience of building socialism is there in those parts of the world, not there, you know, in the rich parts of the world, the advanced industrial society. So to understand the communist movement in India, one has to understand the theory that develops out of this conjuncture, this situation. It's not enough to keep reading Marx. It's not enough to keep, you know, reading the canons of Western Marxism, you know, whether it's um, Althusser or the Frankfurt School or whatever it is. It, they don't answer any of our questions because our questions are rooted in the fact, how do you build socialism from a desperately poor place with very few uh, you know, resources where wealth is not there. So I've spent a lot of my time working on that. And it's out of that concern that I got involved with the International People's Assembly. And we created a research institute called Tricontinental Institute for Social Research, which emerges with the mandate essentially to build the theory of our own movements, not to derive the theory from you know, academic thought but to build the theory from our own movements. And that's what we've been, you know, as a practice, as a collective project, that's what we've been doing. Yes, I, 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 I said that I, I heard that in India, when the British came into India with capitalism, they not only build the productive forces in India, but they destroyed the agriculture in India. After when the British came and this India became the colony of, of India, the, it was the famine crisis very often. So we see that uh, this waiting when the uh, productive forces in the colony will be very, very strong is utopian. And I ask you this question about your uh, activity in the writing a books because in other speeches which you said, because last week I, I, I heard many of your speeches, uh, you said about the globalization, that globalization, it is that everybody in the world have to uh, read the Marxists from USA, from the France and other, but nobody reads the Marxist theoretician from, from global south. And uh, I think that I know the uh, anti-capitalist intellectual from, from Western countries, and uh, I, I know people like Chomsky, and uh, it is uh, for me the, that uh, 
I, I didn't read any of your book, but I think that uh, all of your book are better than this uh, book of this intellectual from the inter imperialist countries because uh, it is because of the perspective they they are in the bubble of the uh, the richest places in the world and all this time they said uh, it is not true socialism and it is also not true socialism and all the time they criticize other 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 revolutionaries other socialists but uh, they do nothing in the USA and uh, so it is why I, because you have library in New Delhi, yes? Well, you know, we are a, a, a book publishing house called Leftward Books, and we've been going for 20 years. Uh, we also have a bookstore called Mayday uh, Bookstore, where we, you know, have a very nice array of books. And there's a, a, a little place where there's a, a black box theater uh, that our comrades at Jannatya Manch, People's Theater Group, uh, operate. It's called Studio Safdar, named after one of our comrades who was killed in 1989. Um, in fact, my colleague Sudhanva Deshpande wrote a terrific book about the life of Safdar Hashmi called Halla Bol, which Leftward Books published. Now, I wouldn't go so far as to you to say it's not worth reading people. There are different concerns. You see, people in different countries will obviously pr produce different theories. My point is mainly that nobody's theory is universal, um, that you can't take the concerns of, say, Slavos Zizek and say that his concerns are identical to the concerns of somebody in Papua New Guinea. Uh, theories are built out of a conjuncture. They are not built out of from a God's perspective. You know, we don't have access to God's perspective. And of course, Zizek could go and learn about the context of Papua New Guinea and derive the theory out of that. I'm not saying that because he's a Slovenian, he can't write from Papua. I don't mean that at all. I don't agree with that kind of identity politics. But you have to locate yourself. You know, you have to learn about somebody's struggles and so on. Um, and that has to shape and form your, your interests. You see, my great problem with a lot of Western um, uh, left thinking is that in the 1980s, even before the Soviet Union wrapped up, in the 1980s, you began to get this whole seam of post-Marxist writings exemplified by the book by Laclau, Ernesto Laclau and Chantal Mouffe called Hegemony and Socialist Strategy. Well, there's something deeply wrong with that book. Firstly, it uses Gramsci in a way that I don't agree. Gramsci was a communist militant. Gramsci was interested in a revolution. Gramsci was not interested in widening democracy in some liberal direction. He's not a liberal. He was a revolutionary. He asked himself in jail, why is it that uh, we who were building the Italian communist movement, the trade union movement, other people's struggles and so on, why were we so easily defeated by the fascists? That's the question he's asking himself. And then he suggests that, okay, in order to understand that, I need concepts. And the concept hegemony is one that he draws from Russia, actually. Hegemony comes from the Russian debates around how to um, you know, uh, capture the so-called hearts and minds of people. And he draws the concept hegemony. It's not original to Gramsci. Then he goes on and he thinks about culture. And he says, let's look back at our culture. You know, there is there, there are hierarchies embedded in our culture that they the culture immediately, because it comes from this feudal hierarchical thing, elements of Catholicism and fate, 
the desire for a strong leader, the culture favors the fascists. The left, in a way, has to fight against our culture, reform culture, democratize culture. Gramsci's thinkings are hugely useful for a revolutionary, you know, to think about the role of culture as an obstacle for our advance. Well, Chantal Mouffe and Ernesto Laclau take it in a completely different direction. You know, their book is, it's called Hegemony and Socialist Strategy. There's no socialist strategy in it. It's a liberal account. And so these post-Marxists show up with a kind of political orientation to the world. You know, they talk about rights and things like that. But Marxism isn't about politics alone. You know, it's not about like, you know, advancing human rights. Politics for Marxists is about the material conditions as much as it's about these other elements of equal rights and so on. Because equal rights without the right to food, the right to a shelter, the right to medical care, without advancing the productive forces, there's no point having political rights, you know. Look at India. India, half the population is in poverty, but they all have equal rights. What's the point of equal rights? China has just abolished absolute poverty, lifted 800 million people out of poverty. That to me is a far more significant advance. But somebody like Laclau and Move, they look at China and they'll say, oh my God, it's horrifying, you see, because they don't understand what it means to live in wretched poverty. And that a communist must must understand the material conditions of life. We are not just about, you know, ideas and so on. We I work for an institute whose core mission is to advance the struggle in the battle of ideas. So I don't think ideas are not important. We understand that culture is a huge resource and a huge impediment. We don't minimize the role of culture, but the problem of the material forces that must not be set aside. And that's what makes something like Laclau move many of these post-Marxists. It makes them in end of the day liberals. They are not actually post-Marxists. They are pre-Marxists. They return to the period before Marx. They sound like utopian socialists or liberals. And that's the kind of corruption of theory in the West. You know, that's there's a theoretical problem. It's not that it's a problem because it's produced in the West. It's a problem because of what it is which is essentially it's liberalism that wears the mask of the left. And that's what I'm interested in at least having a conversation about. Um, okay. And I heard also one of, your, uh, one of your speeches when you said many times about Rosa Luxemburg. And uh, I'm proud about Rosa Luxemburg, because it is one of the most famous women who was born in Poland. And she was active in Polish socialist movement, but she is um, uh, most uh, known by her activity in the German communist movement. Uh, so uh, one year ago, uh, in the Zamość, in the house where uh, Rosa Luxemburg was born, there was a monument which was written that here in this building Rosa Luxemburg was born. And uh, also there are many other monuments of Rosa Luxemburg. There are the name of the streets in, in Poland. And now we have all these uh, uh, psychopaths here, anti-communists who are ruling in Poland and they want to destroy the history. Uh, they smash all these things and also they, they smash this, uh, this monument uh, in the house of Rosa Luxemburg in Zamość. So, um, 
And so uh, I, I want to ask you, could you, you and your comrades from, from India and from other communists, which you know, to, to make uh, uh, solidarity international against Polish government? Uh, because uh, you see, it, she is the Marxist theoretician known all over the world. And in Poland, they want to smash her from history. Well, um, my younger daughter's name is Rosa. And uh, she, Rosa Luxemburg has meant a great deal, uh, I think, in our traditions. One of the reasons, Mikhail, is because she always took the colonial question seriously. There's a lot that Rosa Luxemburg and Lenin shared. They both took colonialism very seriously. You see, when the Easter Rising takes place in Ireland in 1916, it's Lenin and Luxembourg that support the Easter Rising. M many in the left movement, and I don't want to mention their names because I'll sound sectarian, oppose the Easter Rising. Lenin saw it as an anti-colonial uprising. You know, it's very important for people to understand that the instinct of Luxembourg, the instinct of Lenin was anti-colonial. In fact, in her monumental work on the accumulation of capital, she makes the argument about the necessity of these non-capitalist zones, what she called them, we may disagree with some of the formulations, but basically she's talking about colonialism, the necessity of colonialism, the permanent status of so-called primitive accumulation, you know, which Marx talks about in capital. It doesn't just happen in the beginning. It keeps happening over and over again. You have um, theft from people, plunder and so on. What's happening today in places like the island of Papua, you know, West Papua and Papua New Guinea and so on. Um, so Luxembourg is a very important figure at leftward. In fact, we published a volume of reform versus revolution, uh, her great uh, a critique of Edward Bernstein. And the introduction to that volume was written by Brinda Karat who is one of the Politburo members of the Communist Party of India, Marxist, and is a leading uh, member of the party, the CPIM. She wrote a very fine introduction to that volume of Rosa Luxemburg. You know, we, we look up to um, the memory of, of Rosa Luxemburg. We celebrate uh, the murder, the day of the murder of Luxemburg and Karl Liebknecht by the Social Democrats in Germany in 1919. So one doesn't need to tell us that we must stand in solidarity. We will. Now the question is, tell us how. Give us the details. Uh, we will organize, uh, you know, whatever is necessary uh, to stand in solidarity with the memory of Rosa Luxemburg against, uh, you know, the heirs of the, of the fascists and the feudals and the oligarchs. Why should they get to determine the names of streets in, you know, in Rosa Luxemburg's country? So let us know what we can do. We'll organize for it. Uh, absolutely. You know, she's an important person um, in the global left uh, calendar and an important person in global left thought. I think that the most important is that you show that uh, communist movement exists because in Poland they say all the time the, the lie that uh, after fall of the Soviet Union uh, it's 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 over the communism it's over and uh, there are some uh, old communists in Russia but uh, in a few years everybody die and it will be finished of communism and when you speak that you uh, you are you are a member or you were a member the 
Communist Party in India, which is one million uh, member, and you are c capable to make a strike with 250 million people. Uh, so it is something uh, which are scared for for the Polish bourgeoisie, and I want that they are scared of the the red flag isn't is it over? Well, you know the thing is that the red flag is not even over in Poland, and the Polish bourgeoisie need to understand that. I mean, uh, in time, movements will grow. It was after all Luxembourg who said that capitalism is a fatal system. It, it cannot exist eternally. It has flaws. And she proposed the, the view that there are two choices before humanity. On the one choice, I mean, look, frankly, if you go back and you look at her uh, you know, slogan, uh, it will be, a, uh, it will be a, a clarifying moment for people. What was the slogan? Socialism or barbarism? Now, you have two paths forward. Capitalism is fatally flawed. Um, Polish president, Mr. Andrzej Duda. What is Mr. Duda? Is Mr. Duda a socialist? No. Is Mr. Duda a barbarian? That's for the Polish people to decide. Yes, what are yes. you living in now? Are you living in a socialist country or in a barbaric situation? I would like to hazard an answer and say that I think it's barbarism. Well, look to, to look to Rosa, look to your heritage fight for something different than this nonsense. So the Polish bourgeoisie need not be afraid of the red flags in India. Red flags will unfurl one way or the other from one end of Poland to the other. You know, it's either that or you create barbarism for a century. Nobody can tolerate barbarism for a century. Uh, I think that we can say uh, that this socialism or barbarism is very important now in Poland because um, in last week Poland have the biggest number of of people dying from COVID-19 for 1,000 person in all the world. We are we were the champion. We were the champion, and in the socialist times, Polish uh, Polish health system was very very good. We have good hospitals, and we have good medicines. And also in Polish university, there are the students from African countries and other countries from South who are coming to Poland. They are learning how to be a doctor, how to be a nurse, and they coming back to their country and uh, and helping their. Now it's uh, it's privatized. It's after privatization is total catastrophe, and it is why we have barbarity. In in so the answer is is today here in Poland with these people who who died. The answer is today, as you say, and you know, when we look around the world, Mikhail, we can see doctors from China, doctors from Cuba, these two countries traveling abroad with medical internationalism. We see, meanwhile, vaccine nationalism in the United States, in Canada, in many European countries. They are hoarding vaccines, hoarding medicines. Their doctors aren't going abroad. You want a choice between socialism and capitalism? These are the choices. You know, you either have a society like Cuba, a very poor country. You know, right now there is an international campaign to raise 20 million syringes to send to Cuba so the Cubans can be um, can be uh, vaccinated. But of course, Cuba, meanwhile, is exporting doctors all over the world. In many COVID wards in the Caribbean, they would have shut down without Cuban doctors. You know, whether it's in Jamaica, Barbados, 
um, you know, one country after the other, one sees Cuban doctors. So I just like to say that, that, you know, the choice is there for people to see what would you prefer to live in a society where like in India, where people are dying on the street, you know, essentially um, COVID-19 total catastrophe in India, public health spending by the government are around 1% of GDP. Meanwhile, weapons spending much greater. I mean, this should be a basic choice. The problem is, Mikhail, the real problem is it's not our arguments. It's not that reality isn't showing us the correct path. It's that we are in a battle of ideas. We are fighting against a suffocating media. We are fighting against a landscape which has taken refuge in anti-Chinese propaganda. Um, we're fighting a rearguard battle of ideas. That's the problem is that it's not that reality isn't clear. Reality is clear. It's clarifying. The problem is we can't reach people because the uh, suffocation of corporate media is so great that it's hard to get out there. Okay. You, you didn't answer a question about Kerala. Could you present what is Kerala state and the communist government there? Right. So Kerala is one of the states in the Indian Union. Um, it's not a country by itself. It's a state of 35 million people. So it's quite large. It's not a small state. Um, it's now governed by the Left Democratic Front, which is a un unity a coalition. The largest force in the Left Democratic Front by far is the Communist Party of India Marxist. That's the party to which I belong. The chief minister of Kerala, Pinarai Vijayan, is a party member. He's a member of my party. So our party has ruled Kerala for the past five years and, you know, in um, in rotation for five years before the previous five years and so on. There was an election. The results will come out on May 2nd. It's likely for the first time since 1980, our government will repeat and come in for a second term because it's been very popular. Now, what has Kerala done? You see, over the period of the communist movement in Kerala, the communists pushed the needle of the state toward the left in terms of the culture and social development. So even when the non-left comes to power, that is the right led by the Congress party, um, they can't take policies that are essentially against the policies that the left has put in place, although they try and sometimes they succeed, but they can't completely change the character of the state. So in Kerala, unlike the rest of India, public health infrastructure has not been completely eroded in the previous government. This government has strengthened it again. Um, you know, the government has strengthened the forms of government delivery, how government can deliver social goods to the public and so on. Also in Kerala, the mass organizations are strong. Trade unions, women's organization, cooperative movements are strong. There is a cooperative called Kudumbushri which has something like eight, nine million members, just this one cooperative. It's all women members um, and they make all kinds of things. During the pandemic, the cooperative called Kudumbushi started making hand sanitizer and masks. Mass organizations went into public places to feed people and so on. And then the government acted with great seriousness of purpose, testing people, isolating them, contact tracing and so on. So the government took a rational approach towards the COVID-19 uh, pandemic. It's not just government. You see, communism isn't just the state acting. It's also public action. And that's what you see as really an important part of um, the social development of Kerala is that the mass organizations were involved. 
I think that's important. And I mean, look, let's not exaggerate things. COVID-19 still struck Kerala. Kerala is a highly mobile place, very much linked to um, developments in the Gulf, lots of migrant workers and so on. So COVID-19 hit Kerala pretty hard. It's not that it, oh, it was totally immune. Um, so I don't want to exaggerate things. And while the rest of India is struggling with oxygen supply, Kerala has been sending oxygen to the rest of India because public sector oxygen manufacturing in Kerala was built up. On the other hand, there is a problem, uh, some problems in Kerala as well in terms of healthcare infrastructure because this pandemic is quite hard. It's difficult to beat, you know, and in a congested kind of country like India, it's not that India is overpopulated in terms of density of population, but it's congested, you know, in cities and so on, the working class live in congested areas. So the spread has been quite rapid and quick. I think that's something. But in Kerala, the government is really serious about dealing with it. It's not been like the government in the UK and so on, which took a, you know, quite a lazy perspective to the pandemic. Uh, no, it, it was quite the opposite. And the chief minister, Pinarayi Vijayan, and the health minister, uh, uh, Shalja teacher, were both ex are both extremely uh, popular because they did such a good job in the pandemic. Uh, so um, our, we are live now, and in the in the chat uh, there are uh, was a question from the Kamrat Helas. He he was the the author of the YouTube channel. He was he's from Greece, and he wanted to join to our conversation. Call, so he's here. Welcome. <laughs> Hello, uh, thank you for having me. I am a Marxist from uh, Greece uh, and uh, I would just like to enter the discussion and at the end maybe ask uh, Dr. Pradas maybe a question or two. It's up to you, Mikhail. It's your show and welcome. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I want to build the international re relations and uh, with the, I think the internationalism, it is the most important thing for the communists. And now before one week before 1st May, it is, uh, it is the time for the building this. Uh, so I, in, in the same time, I send invitation for you and Kamrat Helas. Now he's here. So if he won't ask question, ask. If not, uh, I will ask other question. Do you know? Do you know Oscar Lange? I don't really know that literature. Oscar, you mean isn't he part of the Frankfurt School? No, no, he's the Marxist from Poland. Who know. who came to India and in India when the India uh, I heard I don't know it is true or not but it is him who collaborating with government of uh, of India uh, to to build the little leftist perspective for the economy of of your country and uh, I heard that he's he's famous in 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 India but uh, <laughs> no no don't know because it, he is the one of the most famous marxist economists from Poland so it is why I ask yeah I, I don't I I'm not, I'm sure that there are people in India who know him particularly you know professional economists and so on but I happen to not know about him. I mean, I, I can see that he's a, uh, was a member of the Workers' Party and so on and, and you know, responded to Mises and that Hayek school. But I don't know that at okay, all. Okay, yeah, okay, okay. I mean, the only Polish person I know 
and I don't know your opinions of him will not be the same as mine probably, is that I as a young person um, encountered, of course, Kapuczynski and um, I was enthralled by his, uh, by some of his writings, particularly on Iran. And then I read as much as I could find on Kapuczynski, um, including, of course, the great book on Ethiopia, his travels in Africa, the soccer war and so on. And, you know, I understand people have misgivings about him, but man, he was a really adventurous character and he wrote some fantastic stories. So I, I greatly admire uh, Kapuczynski. So I can say that uh, he was the, in the time of socialist Poland, he was the one of the famous journalists from Poland. Uh, and uh, and um, he, he died, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like this. But a uh, few years before, before he died, uh, the new, new government, uh, ultra-right, uh, they started to uh, fame him. They said that uh, if you are traveling in the time of socialism, it is because you are collaborating with the Polish secret police uh, and you are the member of the Communist Party, you are communist and because you are the member of the Communist Party, you, you, we don't publish your books and they, they, they started to make campaign against him. Uh, write uh, articles, uh, show in the media, people started and he was very, very old. And uh, I think that it is why he, he died uh, a little before uh, then, uh, because it was very, very disgusting that they taken an uh, old guy and started to make campaign, a campaign uh, 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 against him. But, uh, you know, um, he is famous for his work not writing about Poland, but writing about the things which was in the, abroad the Poland and and other Polish people, you, you know, you, do you know Felix Dzierżyński, for example? No, I mean, I, I my knowledge of Poland is very sparse, I'm afraid. Uh, and I, 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 I just know too little about it. As I said, um, my interest, you know, I, I'm I'm mainly I'm a journalist and a writer and so on, and I'm not really a, a specialist in in anything to do with Eastern Europe uh, and so on. But I I the two poles that I know intimately in terms of their writings, one is Luxembourg and the other is is Kapuczynski. Pretty limited, I'm afraid. There's one more writer that I read his major three volume work. And that's uh, Kolakowski, uh, um, you know, the main currents of Marxism. But he was a kind of non-Marxist, maybe even a little bit of an anti-Marxist, but he could write beautifully. So his three-volume work um, was quite beautiful. The other person, of course, um, you know, uh, was, uh, what's his name? Um, yeah, Isaac Deutscher. Um, you know, uh, who has a complicated relationship with with our movements, uh, very complicated. But Deutsche was a very thoughtful person. And, you know, even though I have differences with a lot of the orientation, I very much enjoyed reading at least the first volume uh, and a part of the second volume of his biography of Trotsky. I thought that was very well handled. And I know Deutsche was a member of the Polish party and he had differences and so on, but I don't really know much about either him or those differences. 
you know my access to poland where i've never been uh, is mainly through the books of these very few people okay i can say that uh, it's uh, today i made a conversation also with professor bruno drwenski and we spoke about the the, the situation in the uh, polish united workers party in 1950s and in the in the in the last uh, 20 minutes of this conversation we speaks uh, we sp spoke about the intellectual who in the um, who were very very young and when they started to be ultra radical stalinists like kowakowski and after 1956 they started to be revisionist and after 1970s they started to be anti-communist we didn't say his he said his name but it was all generation the people who in the beginning of the 1950s when they have struggled in the universities against this old intellectuals reactionary they they uh, they they were young radical and they made very good job but this uh, book which you mentioned it was in the time when kowakowski he started to be anti-communist not uh, so so he, he has a knowledge but uh, uh, his uh, the objective of this, this book it is the destroy the communist movement well, exactly. I mean, the, the point is he was a wonderful writer and he knew the texts of which he was writing, but his general orientation was anti-Marxist, his general orientation. Uh, but it's interesting that when you look at a person like that, their early affiliations uh, cannot be so easily dismissed. So in fact, however much he was against the tradition he was writing, it was also his own tradition. And there are sections where he's writing in the first volume about Marx, which are very beautifully written. Um, and also, I think, quite close to uh, a good description of Marxism, because that was his early orientation, if you see what I mean. You know, it's similar with Deutsche. Um, I, I tried once to read bits of Deutsche's uh, biography of Stalin, what he was going to write a book about Stalin. And even whatever his critical orientation was, um, because he comes out of that tradition, he can't uproot himself completely. So the book is quite interesting, even though you know it's difficult to read because his judgments are very harsh, um, a bit too harsh uh, in in many cases. So yeah, I mean my uh, um, my own uh, exposure to Polish uh, radicalism and Polish radical history is very minimal. Um, in fact, I've been trying to, to school myself a little bit. I've been spending the recent period reading a little about Hungary, a country of which I know very little. And recently I was had a conversation with somebody in Romania, a publisher, um, who uh, you know we are drawing into, he's going to be part of his publishing house ideas, is going to be part of um, the International Union of Left Publishers. And it's interesting also to learn about Romania because, my God, how little we know about Romanian communism. You know, he was telling me how in the 1970s there was a discussion by mayors in Romania, uh, small town mayors, about eco-socialism, how to create an eco-socialist city, you know, how to create a city, a socialist city that understands the limits of resources and so on. I thought that's fantastic. Like we, we need to revive those histories, you know, um, and not allow 
the way the West has mischaracterized Romania as some sort of ghastly, um, you know, police state and so on. Um, as I said, we've done this in collaboration with EFDDR uh, on the text already published called Risen from the Ashes, available in English, uh, Spanish, Portuguese, and German. I hope people have a look at it. That's available at thetricontinental.org. You can see it at our website, also at EFDDR. About, about Romania, I can say that there is also uh, the YouTube channel and synth internet named The Barricade. Uh, it was uh, created by the Maria Czernat from Romania and Bojan Stanisławski from Bulgaria and Poland, because he is Bulgar who lived in Poland. Uh, I, I collaborate with them. Uh, and they all the time now they try to build the the um, relations between the countries like Bulgaria, Romania, Serbia, Czechia, Ukraine, Poland. And if you are interested about the Eastern Europe, uh, uh, go there because they, they they speak English much better than me. No, uh, no, Mikhail, <laughs> I don't want to go there. In fact, they have published my writing. Ah. What I would like is ah. for you to introduce me to them. And let's have a private conversation, not ah, like okay, this. Okay, okay, yes, conversation yes, yes. And talk about ah. how to advance our thinking. Yes, yes, of course. I, I, I will, um, I will send the message. Yes. Uh, so, um, uh, comrade Hellas, uh, yes. all the time they don't speak. Uh, maybe uh, I, I will ask you question about Greece. What is your commentary about the situation in two thousand? 50, 15, when the uh, European Union, the Troika, destroyed the, the Greece, uh, they, they wanted to make crisis in Greece and punish Greece because of referendum anti, anti uh, how to say, anti politic of austerity. Um, I wanted to ask something, uh, Dr. Pradas, Prasad, but I guess I will go first and I will reply to your question. Um, first of all, uh, Greece as a country was the 25th uh, largest economy in the world in this period. We were a very uh, large country by export and uh, we had uh, a limited tourism and quality services. When the 2008 recession in the United States came and struck as a heat wave into Europe, it caused a global financial crisis. Greece had um, a particular problem compared to other countries. We, we had a large deficit. We had the largest, in fact, the largest deficit in Europe. And uh, when these austerity measures came, all of Europe tried to cut, uh, to cut their budget. Greece was forced to cut a, a large portion of their budget, which caused an economic recession. Because as we know, when you, when you limit your expenses, this... Um, this means cutting wages, uh, cutting pensions, um, raising taxes. It limits the purchasing power of the people. So this, as a result, uh, destroyed the, um, the Greek uh, lower and middle classes. And uh, yeah, as a result, a lot of Greeks were against uh, the European Union. In 2015, uh, January, the left-wing party Syriza, which is the coalition of the radical left was elected in power. This was the first time in Greece that a left-wing party won the election. Uh, and they were sent to negotiate with Europe. And although the negotiations were doing fine, and um, we had the economist, uh, I'm sure maybe Mr. Prasad will know him, uh, Yanis Varoufakis. He's amongst the hundreds, um, most influential uh, thinkers and intellectuals in the world. 
and a world-renowned economist. He was leading the negotiation as an economic minister, the Ministry of Economy in Greece, and uh, he was achieving to win from um, Europe. But the the discussions were sabotaged. Um, they they dropped our credit ranking. Nobody was willing to borrow to Greece, and all our banks uh, were run out of money. And Europe threatened the economic cent uh, the European Central Bank threatened with not printing any money. So as a result, in 2015, we had the, the referendum in which uh, no one, 69% of Greeks, voted against it. And um, as a result, the left-wing government um, was unwilling to pass this result, sadly, uh, because they thought that if this uh, result came and we cut, break, uh, cut our um, link to the European Union, this would mean that the Greeks will be impoverished because banks didn't have any more money. Uh, we'll go on our national currency that will be instantly devalued. So they opted not to do it. They resigned and the people voted for them again. And from then we continued this uh, harsh uh, neoliberal uh, policy of austerity. Ideologically, I think this was a mistake. Uh, this destroyed Greece even more. But uh, prag pragmatically, and speaking as a Greek, I think it was a very harsh opinion to take. Uh, a lot of people after that distanced themselves from the left wing. They thought they were liars and they lied on them. But I think they had little options. It was actually bankruptcy or harsh austerity. And at the end, uh, they chickened out because the majority of Europeans were against us. That's what I have to say. So ideologically, it would be good if we didn't do it. But uh, pragmatically, at least we are not searching from the bins or something. <laughs> That's my input uh, to your question, uh, Mikhail. Now, uh, Dr. Prasad, uh, you spoke about the civil rights in India and China. You compared them, uh, India being a democratic nation and, uh, you know, having free elections and everything. But China being more authoritarian uh, managed to pull out um, uh, a large portion of its population from poverty. In 2000, uh, if I remember correctly, China had 90% poverty and today about 5%. So they managed to pull millions out of poverty in 20 years. Um, what is um, what is your opinion on democracy in India? Do you think it will be easier be to build socialism upon a free market uh, bourgeois democracy with uh, limited free press? Or do you think it is easier to build it on an authoritarian regime? Because my main argument that I have with fellow comrades is that they think that... Um, or, or oppressive regimes are easier to radicalize people, while I am more of the um, orthodox Marxist opinion that we need to build first capitalism, develop our economy and our means of production, our industries, go through an industrial revolution, and then um, build communism upon this um, bourgeois system. Well, you must have missed what I said earlier then, uh, because I talked about how that view of build capitalism first is impossible for colonized parts of the world. So that approach essentially tells countries like, you know, Zambia, just keep waiting forever because the productive forces will not be built as a, as, as a result of the international division of labor and imperialism. Um, so there will never be any advance for a country like Zambia unless it forces a situation changes the conjuncture, you have a revolutionary breakthrough and then they have to do two things, build the productive forces at the same time as they socialize production. You know, orthodoxy is not useful if it's not realistic. You understand? Um, look at all the countries with advanced uh, productive forces. None of them have had a revolution. 
So that approach just doesn't make sense in the world. Um, the historical sweep does not actually validate that position. Um, United States, Canada, France, Britain, Germany, Germany. I mean, none of them have had even close to a revolution. And so Lenin's position is actually much clearer than the second international interpretation of Marxism. What you're calling orthodoxy is actually Kautsky. It's not Marx. It's the second international view that first you have to build capitalism and then you can advance to socialism. That's the view that Lenin savages in many of his writings, you know, when he takes on what he calls renegade Kautsky and so on. So I don't actually accept that one has to build this to do that. Secondly, I don't accept the view that China is authoritarian. Um, I visited China a lot. I, in fact, uh, you know, work at a Chinese institute. I've been in not only in, in the big cities, but in small parts of the country. The country is organized in a way that people outside don't understand is that there are from neighborhood committees to regional district committees. People are organized in you know, all kinds of ways. It's a highly organized country. Not only that, but it's also highly fractious. You know, there are more industrial strikes in China than other parts of the world. You know, people are forever demonstrating. You walk down the street um, in, say, Chongqing, you'll see somebody protesting something or the other. You know, cops don't come and arrest them immediately. This protesting culture is a part of their society. It's true. There are crackdowns. Sometimes the government says this is not allowed. They come and crack down. You can have criticisms of that. That's fine. You can say this is hardly bloody socialist legality. On what basis are you cracking down on that demonstration and not on this one? You understand? That's Those critiques can be made. Um, like I would criticize Stalin on the standpoint that, you know, in the 1937 purges, you violated the constitution of 1925. The constitution of 1925 of the Soviet Union is a very fine document. You should have allowed people their, their rights as, as, as given in the 25 constitution. That's a legitimate critique of a socialist country. Criticize it from its own theories of legality and so on. So I don't accept that China is, you know, in that sense where people have no political rights and in India they have political rights. Because in India, on the other hand, money has suffocated democracy. You know, you can't run in elections unless you have vast amounts of money. That money comes to you from corporate entities. Often it's, it's you know, money that's so-called black money, you know, um, not taxed money and so on, cash money given to people. And so I'm not even sure that the so-called liberal democratic states are actually democratic. You know, the spirit of democracy is vacated in them. Um, if you take the easy way in which uh, in South America, they're using so-called lawfare to delegitimize political candidates, you know, remove Dilma Rousseff from office, not allow uh, Lula to run in the election. The, the way in which money produces um, control over so social media so that in Brazil, I I'm giving the Brazil example because I know it best. In Brazil, the campaign against Fernando Haddad when he was running against Bolsonaro was vicious. They were accusing him of pedophilia, things like that on social media, you know, and delegitimizing him so that he couldn't. So he would have to then argue the terms that they had set, not set his own terms. You see what I mean? So where is the democratic spirit when lying is institutionalized and so on? So I think we need to actually not accept this, um, the liberal framework of free countries and not free countries. You know, that's a Cold War mentality. 
the free world and the unfree world. We've got to understand it differently. Where, in what way are people capable of articulating a political project? Are they capable of articulating a project in China that's independent of the state? Are they capable of articulating an independent political project in India, you know, outside the state and so on? That's the that to my mind is a better way to see this than free and unfree or democratic and authoritarian. You understand those dyads or those dualities. That's part of the kind of Hannah Arendt Cold War thinking that was placed on us from the late 1940s onward. Hannah Arendt's book Origins of Totalitarianism, published in 1951, made the argument that there is liberal freedom and then fascism and communism are the same and they are authoritarian. I reject that duality. I think that's a very mischievous framework. We need a different framework. And I think the framework I use is to see in different societies, are people capable of articulating a project? You know, can they organize? Can they build a political project? Or are they shut down immediately? Many ways of being shut down. One is by the police. One is by the lack of resources. And we got to give lack of resources equal priority to repression by the police. You know, in, 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 in Greece today, you can probably say whatever you want, but you can't say it because nobody can listen to you. You know, you will have no access to the public sphere. You know, you're competing against corporate television channels and so on, which completely suffocate your viewpoint. So that has to be a way to understand things. You know, are you able to articulate your view? Uh, thank you for asking me. Uh, actually, in Greece, there is a big uh, communist movement. Uh, the Communist Party of Greece is the third, the fourth largest party in the parliament. And of course, there's like the coalition of the radical left and the movement uh, for democracy, which is post-capitalist. These are more democratic, socialist and um, post-capitalist parties. But the Marxist-Leninist party in Greece is fourth. So I think um, a big portion of the Greek population identify themselves as revolutionary socialists. Um, of course, there is a media um, control and, of course, there is a lot of private channels. But in Greece, we also have public television, which is very affordable and free. Uh, but again, one could argue that the ruling party will always have more influence in a public television that it is controlled by the government. Uh, on China, I, I admire their achievements on pulling people out of poverty, obviously. Um, I'm not quick to criticize them, as I see, uh, of course, there are human rights violations and brutality, but so is on capitalism. So I'm not quick to judgment. I'm not like those uh, shouting liberals that think that um, oh, China is, is doing this in Hong Kong, but they forget what America is doing in their own home countries uh, in Minneapolis and uh, the Black, Black Lives Matter movement. Um, this, um, this was hardly my point, uh, but uh, what I'm seeing here is that um, uh, you're saying the Kautsky point of view for developing the economy. And, um, for example, uh, Lenin, when he returned to Russia, this happened after uh, the February Revolution and the ousting of the Tsar. And um, Lenin returned to um, a democratic Russia ruled by Kerensky and the, the liberal uh, side and the, Men the Mensheviks. So um, I don't see how would it be easier for communist parties to gain power in a totalitarian uh, capitalist fascist state that uh, oppresses all opposition. And at the same time, um, Lenin himself at the beginning um, initiated the new economic policy 
and allowed for uh, some privatization on um, uh, peasant uh, private owners and uh, people who did not employ um, other people. Uh, only a, a limited amount of, uh, let's say, wage labor and uh, small ownership. Uh, lastly, um, if I'm not correctly, uh, Doctor, when you say that uh, Stalin violated the 1925 Constitution, wasn't the 1936, 1936 Constitution preceding the 1937-1938 purges? That's all. Um, yeah, listen, I have to leave you soon because um, we've been together for an hour. Uh, so I'm not uh, going to be able to go through all those things. Um, of course, there was a constitution in 1936, but don't forget there were many arrests that preceded the 36 constitution that would have been based on the 24-25 constitution. But I'm not here to discuss history. I'm talking about a point of, of information. Uh, sorry, a point of, of analysis. You know how we judge a society. Do we judge a society based on a Cold War metric, or do we try to constitute our own judgment? Um, that's the point I'm making. I'm not discussing history here. Uh, and the point that I would just reiterate is that one considers um, where revolutions happen and, and how they are built and look and see what their theories are. Um, I think that that's the main point that I want to leave you with, Mikhail, that uh, different parts of the world have had different uh, histories. And I feel that people... Um, are too quick to to uh, you know think that their theory applies universally, which it may not, it might not, and that's something to consider. So uh, please stay in touch with me. I'm very keen to understand more about current left currents in Poland. Very keen, um, and I would be happy to have that meeting with the people at barricades. Okay, uh, so thank you very much for for your uh, uh, for uh, for your time for the, the possibility that we are talking. I only w want to say that I am from Poland and I am concerning from the stuff in Poland, but also I am now living in French and I am active in French movement. And I think that the situation which is now in French uh, from uh, since two years that we have the biggest movement of the Yellow West. Every Sunday, every Sunday was beaten by the police, many people arrested. And all the time they speak that the French is the country, the freedom of the democracy, the democracy, democracy. And every day, every Sunday, if you are wearing uh, yellow West in the Paris on other big streets, you are, you can be arrested uh, and persecuted for this. So it is uh, all this accusation about other countries uh, that they are autocratic. I feel, think that this is bullshit that France today in the time of Macron it is neoliberal fascist state and uh, we have the police uh, censorship of the internet police censorship of the of the media leftists and but okay I, I don't uh, stop you for so thank you uncle one more time and I hope that we will speak again when we have time Yes, and, and thank you so much for introducing me to uh, Oscar Lang. I mean, you know, I'm going to be reading more about him and, and other things. Um, but don't forget, barricade. Let's have that conversation. Okay, okay. okay. I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll talk to them. Great. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Austria. So, Kamrat Kalas, do you have time or no? I'm sure we have. <laughs> Uh, so uh, <laughs> it was not planned for today, but uh, of course yeah. we have to. Uh, uh, I want to use this situation that you are here. I, I jumped into the discussion when I saw that uh, you have uh, this discussion with uh, Dr. Prasad <laughs> from India, and I wanted to exchange a couple of opinions and see his yes, viewpoint. And... Being from India, yeah, we are from Europe, so we have a different uh, viewpoint and mentality, definitely. So, uh, maybe firstly, could you say something uh, about you, your activity and the communist movement in Greece? Because from my perspective, it's very complicated. I, I know that there, are, there is KKA, the Communist Party of Greece. There is the Syriza, which was the federation of 10 parties of the uh, radical left. Uh, and I heard also that they are the strong anarchist movement. They have, they are in Athens, one uh, quarter that are uh, ruling by anarchists. I don't know if it is true or not that they are uh, they are also Trotsky's organization. So tell us all those things which you say can can say about the radical left in Greece today. Let's go. Uh, first and foremost, there is the Communist Party of Greece, uh, the largest uh, party and member of the only Communist Party that is member of the parliament. Um, it is the fourth largest party in Greece. Uh, it, it amassed uh, about 5.6 of the popular vote. So it is, um, it is fairly popular. It has a lot of popularity in um, uh, certain islands with communist history and, of course, uh, areas around shipyards and industrial areas in northern, northern Athens and Piraeus, um, areas with uh, refugee population. And I don't mean foreign refugee, I mean Greeks who have uh, refugee ancestry, like Greeks who came from uh, Egypt, Greeks who from, came from Turkey, ethnic Greeks who fled uh, um, these regimes uh, the last century. Um, there is also um, uh, a large anarchist movement that, of course, anarchists don't participate in election, but uh, they have uh, their headquarters in the um, Exarchia, um, uh, let's call it um, neighborhood area of uh, Athens. Uh, they are uh, not organized like they are. They're organized in smaller communes. They they have their own organizations, which. Um, are not a political party or a movement. Um, they are not like strictly organized like the Marxist-Leninists, as you understand. Uh, they are also very fairly popular, and they let's say they have an autonomous zone in Athens, the Exarchia neighborhood that they technically rule over. Um, there is also um, the Party for Mutiny, anti-capitalist left. They poll around one and two percent, and but they haven't achieved to join the parliament yet and a lot of smaller parties such as uh, Hodjaists, Maoists, uh, Trotskyists and um, the party for the reconstruction of um, the party for the reconstruction of the communist party that is um, uh, uh, a mix of Maoism and hardcore like Stalinism. These are the um, officially communist parties. Uh, Syriza is um, a broad front that uh, used to Syriza used to be the Communist Party split, 
uh, they split over um, uh, the invasion, uh, the Soviet invasion of Czechoslovakia, with the Communist Party of Greece being Khrushchevites and supporting Khrushchev, and um, the ancestry of Syriza being um, in against the social imperialism and all that. So they split over, and um, Syriza continued its own path. Uh, today, Syriza gained a lot of popularity. They jumped from 3% in 2012 to 36% in 2015. And they became the second largest uh, party in the parliament due to a complete uh, failure of social democratic parties in Greece and um, the change of the order since they, they abandoned socialism and moved towards austerity, uh, these parties. So Syriza gained popularity. Um, Syriza is very broad. You can find uh, from Maoists to uh, so uh, democratic socialists to social democrats to radical anti-capitalists. It's, it's a broad front, a broad alliance. But um, according to their plan, they are building democratic socialism in Greece and they are planning ahead. Uh, they didn't change much, but now they're like in favor of staying within the European Union for now and participating with the Nordic uh, left-wing parties. I think that's pretty much all about the left-wing movement in Greece. And you, you are the member of one of this party? I might be. <laughs> I don't want to mark myself as a member here because in Greece there's a lot of crackdown going from the right-wing government. Uh, I'm sad to say it, but um, in the last years, uh, Greece went from uh, being a very free and democratic country to having uh, lower safety and democracy than Albania. So I don't want to, since I am a member of um, um, of trade union and uh, uh, I'm uh, also in a university, I don't want to mark myself as any if you allow me on public as a party of any member. Uh, there being instances of even uh, police brutality in Greece, so uh, towards anarchists and left-wingers, so I don't want to bring it on right now. Okay, okay, I, I understand. But uh, when you made your channel in uh, Greek language, uh, you don't have problems in Greece? Uh, there is I, I can voice my opinion freely, we have free speech, but uh, I don't want to mark myself as a certain party because uh, first I don't want the police to identify me and second I don't want other leftists that disagree with me on one aspect to say what do you, you say here, we disagree on this, you should get out of the party for example. I want to have my own opinions as well and not being monitored either by fellow comrades or by an authority such as the state. Okay, so now I would like to ask you a question which is very also very often asked to me that because I am I am, uh, I am communist, but all the time they ask me what do you think about Stalin? So I, I I said that I respect Stalin. I respect Stalin because he was the communist. He was the first who who built the socialism in the world. And also, I when they want to me compare Stalin with uh, Lenin or Stalin with Marx, uh, I said that Stalin was the biggest one because he not only uh, re write something but he built socialism and he was the first one in my opinion. So and very often they they people ask me that Stalin he was uh, he. Um, 
he forget about the communists from Greece that he was a treason. So what what do you think about this? Could you say something about the civil war in Greece in the time of the Second World War and after Second World War? What's happened? And... Now, this is the importance and exactly the reason why I told you that I don't want to identify with any party. Right now, I can say freely my opinion about Stalin. But um, 50 years ago, for example, in Greece, except that we were right-wing junta, but even the communists started deleting members because they, they, they agreed with Mao or they agreed with Stalin. The Khrushchevite Soviet Union persecuted the um, Stalinists and Maoists and other Hojais, Ceausescu supporters, you know. So um, it, is, um, it is fundamental that um, uh, I have my own opinion. So I believe personally that uh, Stalin was a great leader. I don't, uh, you're right that he was the greatest leader, but I, I wouldn't say the greatest theoreticians. I say that Marx is first, you know, and Lenin on theory, but um, Stalin continued the path on Lenin and Marx. He built Marxist Leninism. And you're right, he was the first one who successfully built a socialist state and had rapid economic growth, uh, took Russia from using horse plows to using nuclear energy, defeated the Nazi Germany, and uh, created a safe um, socialist state to be. And of course, sadly, his successors, the Khrushchevites and Brezhnevites, uh, stagnated the Soviet Union, and later Gorbachev put the last nail on the coffin and turned back uh, on uh, reformism and uh, capitalism uh, restoration. So um, I, I guess you're right. He was the greatest leader we ever had. Yes, yes, but could you and, say something about the civil war? Oh, yeah, the civil war in Greece. Thank you, I forgot. Also, uh, if I'm not wrong, Che Guevara was influenced by Stalin. He said yes, 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 of was course. the reason he became communist. Uh, after World War II, um, you know, Europe was uh, split in two. And um, um, Churchill and Stalin uh, made these secret uh, percentage agreements. Um, he gave... Um, he gave Stalin influence in Romania, Bulgaria, Poland, and Czechoslovakia. They split Yugoslavia 50-50 and Albania. And he gave he, he gave uh, Stalin gave Churchill more influence in Greece. Uh, so I guess he traded Greece for Romania and Poland. So you guys got it. We didn't. This has been used by a lot of uh, people on the right and the left as proof of treachery. But it's a well-known fact that Stalin actually supported the Communist Party of Greece. Uh, first, of all, uh, first and foremost, ideologically, and second, with material um, support through uh, allies Bulgaria uh, and uh, Albania and Yugoslavia. Um, yes, the Soviet Union didn't send any army to fight, but uh, he couldn't do anything because Greece was already um, under uh, British occupation and American occupation. I would uh, say that I wouldn't say that Stalin betrayed us, but uh, he made priority to hold his gains in Romania and Poland and then spread communism in countries like Greece. Um, and um, I would say that Tito uh, made a bigger betrayal because he sat his borders to Greece and su stopped supporting the Greek communists because they sided with Stalin and not with Tito. So I would I would blame Tito mostly if there was any kind of betrayal, you know. Okay, do you know that uh, after the uh, civil war in Greece, in Greece, 
I think that there are 20,000 migrants from Greece, the young children uh, who came to Poland. 100,000 people fled Greece through all the socialist countries. Yes, and in Poland it was 20,000. In Poland, yeah, 20. Uh, other hotspots were Czechia, um, Hungary, and the Soviet Union, I guess. So that's nice. What do they settle in Poland? Which parts? That's very interesting. Uh, I I was living in in in, in Warsaw, uh, and and my wife uh, lived uh, nearby Warsaw in this region of, of Warsaw, but she she so now when I am in Poland I am uh, half of time in in Warsaw, half of time in the uh, small city of my family of my wife. Uh, but uh, do you have you ever been in Poland? I've been to Warsaw and I've been to uh, Woods. You call it Woods. Woods. Woods yeah. is the most ugly city in the in Poland. Really? I think. Yeah, I, I, I found it actually very ugly, <laughs> but um, it, it had some museums uh, and uh, some. Um, um, it had a factory, which was the um, where the revolution of uh, ninety oh not ninety oh five. I guess yes, yes, 1905. Yeah. yeah, the revolution of 1905 happened. So I went to that factory. It was owned by the Jews, I think. But uh, due to the Holocaust, the owners perished. And uh, it was nice. Well, I was completely wasted. <laughs> but it was nice. Yes, uh, the the Wuj before had big tradition revolutionary. We can say that it was one of the... Uh, it was one of the uh, fastest growing city in the, um, Europe. It was like Manchester, that yeah. uh, it was the small village. Uh, and when the industrialization was starting in Poland, they creating the city from very, uh, very little town to, to big industrial. Uh, and, and there was many factories, but Impressive. the people lived in slums. And it was, but there were very strong and very radical socialist movement and all this strike in 1905. Uh, it's it's a proof of this. I guess that's why they didn't lynch me <laughs> because I had a I had a Stalin phone case, <laughs> oh. and I know that the far right is uh, very active in Poland. So I went to a left wing city, so I was cool. Oh, uh, and uh, what? Uh... What do you, what do you because you know I, we can speak about many subjects many maybe do you have question or uh, yeah um, how is the movement in Poland now if there is any strong communist movement um, uh, how democratic is Poland because um, you have uh, the same party being elected and it's very radical right I guess it's conservative let's say. And um, what is uh, okay? Let's go with these two questions, and then I will ask one more. When okay, it's, okay. So I don't. So, yeah, I must press. So, communist movement in Poland is very weak. Uh, was totally destroyed, um, and we want to rebuild this movement. Uh, so. Um, we have radical left in Poland, which is which is which is weak, but this radical left is uh, most of this radical left is anti-communist. So we can say that they 
they are people social democratic uh, who organize something with the red flag but all the time they criticize soviet union all the time they criticize that we had a tradition um, uh, there was a party which name is polish socialist party it was the uh, party which uh, wanted to build independent poland in the time when poland didn't exist and it was party which was the workers party leftist party but in the time of the russian revolution they started to be the anti-communist uh, party also so we have many people which are belonging to this tradition of pps so uh, it's it's very complicated for communist movements to organize something because uh, in the same time we have to make the ideology ideological struggle against fascist against anti-communist but also against radical left which is more anti-communist than far right i can say because uh, wasn't Sudski member of the pps yes 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 he was the creator of this party and uh, he was the um, he was the creator of the journal of this party robotnik and after he started to call uh, and also he was creator of the the um, militant and the, the military organization of, of of this organization in the time of revolution 1905 but after he became the agent of the austro austro-hungarian empire so he he left socialist movement he started to prepare the war uh, and the uh, organizing the polish workers to be the collaborator of the of the uh, of the germans and austrian against russian so he, he became nationalist and not not socialist uh, but of course uh, this party existed when piłsudski became the fascist dictator of poland there they were the people who belonging in pps uh, they were persecuted they go to prison they organize strike and so it is not uh, piłsudski and pps it's not the same so so it is uh, it is like mussolini and the socialist party of italy that he be, he was very active member of this party but after he he he, he changed his opinion so so uh, the um, the radical left in poland is the, the the most problem it is the problem of the ideology that i hey uh, me and my comrades we have to fight for reconstruction ideology of the marxism and and communism because uh, uh, they are uh, there are organization anti-capitalist but uh, i think that for poland uh, it's very good tradition of communist movement and the socialist state which existed before uh, 1989 and uh, now for example in the time of the epidemic covid-19 uh, people died because the hospitals don't work and we can give example of hospital in socialist poland and uh, it is socialism or barbarity. What do you want? If you want privatization of the medical healthcare, you will die in capitalism. And that's also, it is why we, but, uh, and this anti-capitalist radical left, they are, they, they have problem because uh, 
they they can't support socialist Poland because if you support publicly uh, socialist Poland, they accuse you that you are Stalinist, you are responsible for the 100 million death and you want to build gulag and stuff. And they, uh, they are the cowards. They don't want to... And for me, it's not a problem if they say uh, that uh, you are a Stalinist. I says yes, I am Stalinist. I am proud of this because Stalin, it is the person who created our state. Our state and our nation was condemned to be eliminated by Hitler. He wanted to to make the all the Poles the 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 the, the, the slaves slaves of of the Germans and exterminate them. And and Stalin, uh, he. He helped us to re reconstruct our 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 our. If you were were Warsaw, for example, was totally de destroyed, and it is Stalin who uh, he built also Palazzi Culture. Yes, 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 yes. But so, all the city was was all Poland was built by communists. They, they they want we want decommunization of Poland. Yes. Do you want decommunization? Okay. Destroy all the Poland because the communists. It is yeah. the communists who build this. I and visited Poland and I heard that eighty five percent of the city was destroyed or something like that. Yes. So, yes. yes. All, Warsaw was completely. totally destroyed. Totally yeah. because Hitler after Warsaw uprising he decided that we have to punish Poles. All buildings have to be destroyed to make a message for other Poles that if you have make insurrection, no any thing will be stay in touch. Uh, uh, and. Uh, I heard that after it was totally destroyed, they rebuilt it uh, through old pictures. And that's why a lot of your buildings are looking old, despite not being that old. They have this no, 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 no. It's only old town. It's only old town, which was which was uh, renovated in the old style. In the but, old style, yes. Uh, yes, but uh, the center of Warsaw was renovated in the Soviet style. And yeah, it socialist is... uh, realism. Yes, yes, and it is very, very good because before this, Warsaw was a slums. Warsaw was the, the city without canalization, with this very small, small streets. With people, if you go to to Warsaw before war, you have this casting. You have the the shit everywhere, and they dist war. Uh, Hitler destroyed it. And after when they reconstruct, they don't reconstruct these uh, uh, slums, but they build the great uh, buildings, a space with a lot of park, a lot of green area. Now you, you didn't see this because now this all this green area is taken by developers, is taken by the center, center commercial, and uh, they they liquidate this. But uh, in 1980s, Warsaw was the one of the most ecologic city in Europe because everywhere was was uh, was tree, was park, was forest, and now they they decided no no no. In center of the city, we have to build uh, the. Well, bank uh, yeah. things for the bank for the rich and and, and you ask sorry uh, I wanted to ask um, about uh, Stalin how do uh, other Polish people uh, treat you when you say you are Stalinist because there is a lot of anti-communist propaganda in Poland and um, even the left-wing Poles are against communism and I have experienced this being there 
Um, how do they feel when you say you are Stalinist? Um, do they treat you hostile? Or how do they uh, cope with this uh, information? When I am in Poland, I am not saying that I am. I oh, support yeah, yeah. Stalin, so yeah. <laughs> I want okay. to leave. So, so it Did is. Did you uh, move uh, in France this year, or are you years there? No, no. It's, uh, yeah, I am yeah. living here uh, eight years. Eight years. Uh, in two, 2010, I was condemned for the uh, for my activity politic. Uh, so I, I had. Uh, I am the first Pole which have problem for propagating totalitarian society. So I am historically. <laughs> I, if if we continue like this in Greece with uh, neoliberalism being pushed down our throats and uh, police brutality and all that, I might join you in a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. Uh, no, no. You, you see, I am laughing because because all these uh, all these things which I was in Poland, it's ridiculous. It was uh, I was not beaten, I was not tortured, may I was not in prison. I was condemned for for one hundred year, one uh, hundred days. But I could pay, and I it was very cheap to pay, not go not go to prison. But uh, I couldn't try. Uh, I couldn't find a work in. In in um, in Poland, uh, work uh, because uh, I, I I was historic. Yes, yes. Uh, so I I became, but it, it it was good for me because I became physical worker. I became physical worker, and now I'm proud of this uh, because when you have when you made your physical job, nobody ask what is your poli uh, position politic. You you work well, okay. You you can you can stay. Yes. They, they don't speak with you. If you want to work like teacher, you want to have the great, very very good job. Uh, they, they they will ask you many questions. But if you now I am working in France in uh, in storehouse uh, in the temperature uh, minus twenty five degree. It's uh, they don't ask me question. What is my poli position politic? Because it's not easy to find people who want uh, work there. Yeah, and France is also very progressive on that. Um, after the years of the lead in uh, Italy, that there were a lot of uh, fighting and some acts of terrorism, uh, France uh, welcomed, welcomed the Italian communists who fled uh, Italy and went to France. And a lot of Greeks during the military dictatorship here, uh, 1967, 1974, they fled to France, um, whether they were um, either they were left wing, centrist, center right, they fled to France and uh, found, uh, found a safe haven there. Um, there are a lot of uh, Greeks uh, in Paris right now and uh, intellectuals like um, Helen uh, Glikadzi Arveler and um, Costa Gavras and uh, Nikos Kastoriadis is dead, but yeah, there are a lot. There's a wide movement there. A lot of Greeks went there, and uh, I like France for accepting people of any ideology, uh, as long as they respect the republic and uh, they just live their lives there. Um, I would like to say that uh, in the chat is another comrade uh, from Switzerland. I sent him invitation. Maybe he will come or not. But I, I, I sp spoke with him, so I can. Uh, I am not Harry. Harry. So if uh, communists from other countries want to speak, I invite them. 
so comrade Genos, comrade Ritkat, I, I send you invitation. If you want to come, you know what to do. Uh, so you also asked me about situation politics. So speaking about the politics of Poland, it's um, it's waste of time because Polish politics is made by the USA. It's USA decide what is our politics. That's USA decided that now we have to uh, expel the ambassadors from the from the uh, Russia. The USA decided that they are the. US army in, in Poland, then we have to make uh, all this aggressive politics against Russia, uh, that we have to buy the gas from, from USA, which is very, very uh, expensive, much more expensive than Russian. And and um, in, in Poland, the uh, all these party which are in parliament, they have... Uh, um, Uh, it is rivalization. Which party was the most, uh, uh, how to say, uh, is the is the will be servile, servile to to USA yeah. and and the social. We we for example in August uh, August when was the election in, in Belarus. The social democrat wanted to help the uh, uh, organizing putsch in Belarus, but the extreme right also wanted to make the uh, putsch in in Belarus, and uh, they sending the uh, message to USA. It's it's we it's it's we the the most uh, servile to you. And now when the Biden is new president, because Biden in the campaign said that the. In Europe, we have authoritarian countries. The most authoritarian country, it is Russia. But we have also authoritarian state in Hungary and Poland. He said this in the campaign, and wow. now uh, the new government of Poland, is they, they are scared that Biden will organize Maidan in Poland and uh, they, they will choose the liberals to, to, uh, to make rules. He's this. So they, uh, when uh, when United States expelled the diplomat from, from Russia, in the same day they expelled uh, diplomats from 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 Poland um, the united states didn't needed to to did uh, say this they they understand that they they, they have to <laughs> so it's it's very it's 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 shame for me because um, I, i i speak russian language I, i i knew in emigration i have contact with people from many countries also from russia and you know that uh, It's complicated. Yeah. Well, Poland, Poland, Poland. I think uh, there must be some truth that uh, Hungary and Poland are not very uh, democratic anymore. They're becoming more populist and uh, American. Yes, I, I'm not agree with this. I'm yes. not agree with this. For example, I we, I can I can give you example of the of the media in Poland. In mm -hmm. Poland, we have situation that we have public media which are controlled by the um, uh, extreme right party, and we have the corporate media which supported the liberal opposition. So we have two media which one another attacked all the time yeah. in 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 media public they say that the liberals uh, are the uh, motherfuckers and and they say made this again 
and it is very good. It is very good because I can watch this media, media, and I know that all politicians in Poland they are motherfuckers. In France, you don't have this because in France, they uh, all media say that Macron is good. You don't yeah, it's, have. Uh, it's pretty much the same here, yeah. But uh, the only issue is that um, there is a lot of, um, um, let's say, uh, far-right policies coming from Hungary and, let's say, the right wing in Poland. So I think it's understandable for a person like Biden that these leaders, Orban and um, who is your guy? Kaczynski. Kaczynski, ah, Morawiecki. Yeah, yeah, they congratulated uh, Trump and they were more enthusiastic towards him. So he wants to tell them, uh, you know, back it off. I don't think he will make Maidan, of course, but he wants to tell them, look, I'm the new president here. You should do as I say. Yes, but you you know, Biden is not interesting because Biden Biden is old and I think that he will die be, uh, soon. Uh, but He's not this older. Is, yes, but he was ill. He was ill with uh, brain or something like this. So, so uh, in, in in Poland they are scared because the vice president is the Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. Yeah. Yes, and she she declared herself like feminist. Mm-hmm. And in Poland they they made a war against women in Poland. They yeah. ban abortion and the, the in the last years the most important fight against government it is women who wanted to fight for the liberation of the abortion law. We have big demonstration in 2016 and now also we have uh, we had the demonstration on 2020 in October and November. It was very very big demonstration all in all all Poland in big city small city that the people uh, they are um, demonstrating against government against church and they fight it so and you know uh, in Poland you have the mentality that you you are the slave from the, the you are the American slave but now when the new president could be the feminist and she decided that in Poland you have to make the free abortion right uh, they she will be not happy that uh, the one of the uh, the big parties uh, yeah yes, yes the, the, they are against it and so it is why they they are uh, they want to show that uh, because uh, if USA wants to go out the PIS and uh, f- from ruling, it is like this. It's, uh, uh, it's, uh, they, they give the order and one week later Kaczynski and others uh, go out. Understandable. Because the US army is here. US army yeah, you, is in Poland. You have so. bases in Poland, in Romania, in Turkey, in Greece, in Germany, everywhere. Yes, yes, and and, and nobody controlled them. For example, in last week, uh, we had information that because of this uh, complicated situation between Ukraine and Russia, they send, I think, 50 or 60 uh, um, aircraft very to Poland. 
Yeah. And nobody asks Poles what do we think about this. Nobody yeah. they and they come to here to Poland like this, and uh, and you know we have frontier frontier with uh, frontier no frontier uh, fr- frontier frontier the border frontier yes border border we have border. Tu parles français? Uh, un petit peu. Un petit peu, parce que pour moi, c'est mieux parler en français. When... <laughs> no, man. we have to continue in English. Uh, but when I speak English, sometimes I... No, frontier is also used in the English language for ah. a more formal way. Because, as you know, the English language comes from Germanic. But when the Normans uh, conquered England, they, they introduced a lot of French words. So in English, there are two words. If you say border, I think it's both correct, but the frontier is more formal. Frontier, I think. Mm-hmm. The French words are always more formal. So if you speak uh, French and some words you can understand from English. Ah, I would like to say that uh, that uh, in Paris they are big community of Greek uh, members of the Communist Party of Greece. Yeah, yeah, I told you. They mm-hmm. were um they left uh, due to junta and uh, there's another wave uh, leaving uh, due to economic crisis and most of them are very left wing yes yes but no 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 but uh, i i i said about people in your age i do not say about people very uh, yes, yes. I, uh, because uh, one time it was the it was the um, i think it was the anniversary of the October Revolution, 100th anniversary of the October years, Revolution. Yeah. Yes, uh, there were a meeting organized uh, in front of the building where Lenin and uh, how uh, she was named uh, Inessa Armand. Inessa Armand, mm-hmm. they they worked to make this uh, journal P- Iskra, and and there was a meeting i think 200 person uh, was there and there was also the delegation from the communist party of, of greece i made photo with them so but uh, it was the time that i wasn't capable to speak english now okay. i want to be build the relation of with all these immigrants which are in paris because in paris are left from all over the world from the okay. america latin africa asia and uh, but uh, before this i only speak polish and uh, for example i i I watched some of your videos uh, and there was one video uh, i think it was the q and a for three thousand soups and you started in english and after you started speak in, in in greek and i was making a dishes uh, washing the dishes so i listen listen uh, and I was thinking uh, about something else, and now uh, and asked, after this you started speak Greek. Oh, oh my God, what is this? Yeah, you you, you thought you forgot your, the English language, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, when I did my three thousand uh, subscribers to the Q and A, I split it in two parts, so I had the English yes, yes. and the Greek. Yeah. That was interesting, very nice story, and I'm glad you uh, watched a couple of my videos. I found about you now. Uh, you said you know Comrade King, and I was eager to uh, engage with you, have a little discussion. Yes, but um, I 
I appreciate all conversation which I had, but uh, the question um, I am not uh, agree with his analysis of the of the processes of the restoration uh, of. You mean I don't agree me? about Khrushchev and uh, I don't and, agree either. We had a big yes. argument on that. If you go to my channel, you will see the yes, video. I listened. I listened to this conversation from mine or from his because we made two 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 different discussions. Uh, from his, from his. Yeah, uh, you have to watch mine too, which is the second one. Ah, it is not yeah. the same. The first, uh, uh, it was too long and we derailed. But the first, yeah. we have order, so we touch all the subjects, and I think it will you will like it more. I performed much better in the second part. Uh, ah, but I I I, um, I didn't finish about Polish. So okay, tell me that, I, tell I you. said I said that uh, the situation was very very bad. But uh, um, when I started to make this channel, the Odrazenie Komunizmu, it is rebirth of communism in Polish. People started changing mind, and these people with social democratic anti-capitalist view, they starting to looking different to the communist movement. And also, all all the people was to, uh, sure that when I start to speak about communism, when I uh, with my name, my face, that after three weeks or one month, somebody arrest me, somebody killed me because they are this history. But this channel is uh, four years and young Poles starting to changing their mind. And um, before this, uh, one or two years ago, we wanted to 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 join to the Polish Communist Party because we have a Polish Communist Party, but it is party created in 2002 and it is party which uh, don't do nothing. Uh, but uh, they, uh, they, they, they were re registered in, in 2002 and it is a good name, um, so we wanted to join them. But they have very bureaucratic status, and also the leader of this party is the revisionist. Not revisionist. I I, I can say that that he is the left. So he's social democrat. Social democrat. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, he he he. For example, make uh, interview about Stalin when he criticized Stalin in the same way when uh, the anti-communism. So um, after this, we decided that we don't want to be a member of uh, Communist Party of Poland. And in January of this year, we starting to building Polish Workers Party. Polish Workers Party, it is the, the same name of the party which built socialism in Poland after Second World War. So we take, uh, they take the historical name of the Communist Party of Poland, which existed before Second World War, and we also take the historical name of the party, Polish Workers' Party. So we are in the. Uh, I wrote the manifest of this party. It's fifty pages. If you want, to, you can read it uh, in Polish. Uh, but uh, now we are in the in the processes of. Uh, of writing the program of this party. We have commission and many subjects, discussion. I think that program will be ready in one month or two months. And after this program, we're starting to... Uh, now it's not very, very big, but 
I, I, I speak about party because uh, there are not not many people, uh, but the, our channel is very popular, and I think that if uh, we finish this bureaucratic job with the writing status, writing program, and try to organize all these people who watch uh, our communist videos maybe something something will change because last year uh, was very important i think because it was the year of the radicalization it was the year of the big struggles not only this women's struggles but also we had the other struggles we have the peasants who who protested uh, and i hope that in 2021 it will be workers workers class start to protest and uh, it's it's my hope because uh, i something which different me from the other leftists in poland is because is the most important difference it's not that i said uh, i like stalin you don't like stalin the most important difference is that i am a worker and they don't they they work in the university they are the teachers they i know but nobody know how to work in the factory how to work in the building industry when they see worker they don't know how to speak with worker and i know because i am in this i'm in french by uh, before this I, I i worked also in building industry with polish workers so understand well, thank you for having me. I unfortunately will have to go since it's getting late in Greece. But um, since you had, I see that in your channel you have like discussions with a lot of uh, fellows here. Uh, we can have a discussion uh, between each other. Right? Uh, Not yeah. like this that I jumped into, uh, Mr. Yes, 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 yes. So if you can. Uh, Next weekend will be cool. I guess you have. Uh, no, no, next weekend uh, it's demonstra first May demonstration. Oh, yes, yes, yes. oh yeah, it's first May. Uh, you know, in Saturday, Paris, yes. in Paris it will be very big, I think. Yes, yes, yes. And second May also, I want to participate um, okay. in the demonstration. Um, the, the it is ab about Odessa. It is the uh, in 2014 the people were um, killing in in Odessa and so next weekend no but uh, weekend one? after uh, of course uh, we can right. it's 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 Dzień Pobiedy Paruski Dzień Pobiedy Victory Day in Russia Oh the Victory Day is in uh, nay, nine uh, so yes yes I hope you will speak. be available. <laughs> That no, no, we can speak. We eight or nine. Uh, we'll continue discussion with me. emails. Right. So yes, uh, let's uh, say unofficially for eight, and we will fix it when we go closer. If you have any issues, we can. Okay, okay, okay. Thank you, right, comrades. Thank you, for... thank you for having me. Hi. Uh, bonne nuit. Thank you.